want you to go back two months in the time. You're going to see Europe again. First time in 13 years. I'm going to see Europe again. But Europe is not the same. The element of crime. Crime has found a job for me. Take care, Fisher. Police work has become so much more dangerous now than it was in your day. I must admit, I'm really looking forward to it. Shut up! Four, nine, two! Let's Three, five! I've never seen a body mutilated like that. The Lotto murders. It's a very beautiful corpse. I'm so close to him. He's right here. Do you like me a little now? Oh. <laughs> Harry Gray. Harry Gray doesn't exist anymore, and the Lotto murders are a closed book. This is crazy. I'm taking over. I want to... Have you gone completely mad? Mr. Osborne was afraid she might be contacted by a certain Mr. Gray. The element of crime. You know, this might not be the Savoy, but we do try to keep the rooms clean. You're sick! Harry came to Halberstadt and stayed with Kim. Don't give me those bloody cliches. What are you doing, Mr. Fisher? I honestly don't know. Hey yo! Hi. Well, welcome to Movie Umbers. My name is Bob Sham. I am Angela. And the sounds you hear may be dogs. Like maybe you hear that. Do you hear that? Some bone chewing in the hall. <laughs> oh! And a bone hitting the floor. <laughs> We're just gonna let it ride. He's we, being a good boy. We told you the sounds you hear may be dogs, and it almost always is. Boy, what a what a first month of 2024 it's been. It's been mm-hmm. good, terrible, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Probably terrible. We do record. We have to record way ahead of time for certain weeks. But if I had to guess, I'm gonna say terrible. Your birthday. Yeah, that was fine. <laughs> I know what I want for my birthday, which I've already had it by the time. I want you to go to the Yuppie Donut Place. Oh, yeah. Get me at least half a dozen six to eight fancy donuts. So I'm not making you a cake. You don't have to make a cake. I'm okay with that. Just go to a fucking yuppie donut shop with their fancy pants donuts. Mm-hmm. We'll decide which one. There's like a couple. And we that's could do a donut tour. Because we've been eating so rigid. I've been ostensibly vegan, not purely, uh, since the new year started. Basically, we still eat eggs and the occasional fish for me. And I feel like it is a good thing, but some days are rough. (laughs) Because my body wants that sugar. Yeah. My body wants that cheese. My body's getting used to this shit. Eating a lot of beans. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Your butt's getting used to that My butt. (laughs) My my poos are a lot more solid. (laughs) Definitely a lot more solid. But it's all good. 
I would say that I just want to say it's not like some dumb New Year's resolution. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it, what else would you call it? We're changing our life. Yeah, but we use the New Year as the catalyst. That's just because we wanted to get through the holidays. Well, everyone fails in the holidays. That's why you started like, at the New Year. I know. I just feel like we're not above dumb shit. <laughs> we're not better. When we do it, it's not different than a basic bitch doing it. Okay, I guess, but we're saying it here on this recording, but we're not you, talking about we it. We're not I'm posting just, about it. We're not like, my New Year's resolution no, is we to don't. take better care of no, myself. No, we don't, but we honestly don't need to qualify our shit because that just drags it closer to what you say we're not being. Okay. Because you're having to qualify it. You're clarifying it because you're defensive about it for some reason. That's the whole point. Because really I don't believe just, in New Year's resolutions on principle. What is the principle against New Year's resolution? Tell me, explain to me how you I have no problem is. at any time someone saying, I'm going to change something about myself. I think that's great. But I don't like the whole like declaring it. We were talking about this the other day. I don't like the whole declaring it, making a big deal about it, and then inevitably going so hard that you fail about it. Like, I don't. It's like a wave that everyone goes on yes, in like January and then by March everyone's fallen off the fucking boat. Like I just this is not a Just because we didn't use the verbiage doesn't mean we didn't do a New Year's resolution. I guess. We changed our habits. Look, for my own the new self. Year. I know, but listen, for my own self in my own brain, the way that I want to think about this, we're doing this because we need to, not because we're like it's the new year new us. You know what I'm saying? It's a, well, it's a new year, new me. And this year, <laughs> you know, I think there are times to fight and just times to admit that we're just part of it all. You know what I'm saying? We're just part of it all. We don't need to thrash anymore. We're not better. We're just. I didn't say we're, better. We're just it's doing, like a psychological We're just thing doing our best to be as slightly less annoying as as the other things. But we're probably just annoying in whole different ways, in whole new, fresh ways. I know I am. So this uh, this year is going to shape up to be kind of, you know, I was thinking we may just have to bring back Death to All Traders. We may have to just bring it back. At least on our Lars Van Trier episodes. Von Trier. Von Trier. Sorry. Sorry, Lars. That's going to happen all year. You don't have to apologize to him. He's a weirdo. (laughs) You don't have to apologize to him. We're going to watch his movies. Some months are very rigid themes. So you may get like Lars like early one month and then at the end. But by the time we get to the end of the year, we will have discussed a dozen Lars von Trier movies. And he likes to break things up into little trilogies. He does his uh, Dogma 95 thing, which he did with some other directors in which they had rules of what how to make certain films. Oh, I didn't know about that. You know, I think um, before I ever saw a Lars von Trier movie, I think the things that, like early Harmony Corinne movies have that von Trier vibe. That's more what I watched. Yeah, I think that's kind of when, our yeah. first exposure to the style that he brings Lars von Trier, controversial guy, and so much controversy that I want to break it down bit by bit as we go through all these movies. Totally. He's got his uh, avid supporters. He's got his people that are, there's people that's like, I don't know about this dude. This dude is weird. 
I can't blame I can't I can't really blame any of those people for feeling that way. But yes, this is his where the year of Von Trier. It's a sad it's gonna be a, a bleak fucking year. Even without the year of Von Trier, even without talking about large Von Trier movies, I just got the feeling that this year is just gonna be fucking bleak. It's just hard to feel optimistic going forward. Anyway. It's a leap year. There's one whole extra day in yeah, this terrible leap year. Off longer the, than normal. Le- go to the nearest <laughs> bridge in your town and leap off hey, of it. Hey, hey, hey. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stay with us. Uh, we all need to suffer together. Don't be selfish. We're going to stay with us and we're going to suffer together. Or like, talk to somebody. Even if they don't listen, just talk at them. <laughs> Can help sometimes. <laughs> Better if they're listening. And look, uh, if anyone needs somebody to talk to, talk to Angela. I'm busy. <laughs> Send her a d- I'm kidding. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I'm not that closed off, but. Uh, I just, you know, I'm getting in the mode of, uh, of Lars von Trier movies. The vibe, mm. the feeling. Mm. And we're talking mm. about his first movie in his Europe trilogy. His first ever film. You know, he grew up a child actor. This is his first ever film? Yeah. From 1984, uh, written by him and Niels Vorsell. I think Niels mm-hmm. uh, co-wrote um, all the Europe trilogy that we're going to okay. start with. Starring Michael Elphick, Mimi Lai, Esmond Knight, and Gerald Wells. This is a kind of a noir. It's definitely a take on a noir film about... They're in... It's like dystopian. They're in, It's like dystopian Central Europe. Europe is not the same. at dusk the trip has made me restless i cannot sleep it's all in this like sepia tone yeah they do reference a couple of city names but yeah, i don't know specifically which all seem to be are. more central european city names and they do just talk about europe 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 but it is very dystopian there's water everywhere water everywhere and not a drop to drink things have flooded out there's Buildings are decrepit. You go downstairs and the floor is just full of water. There's drowned horses and shit and donkeys. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that really hurts you kind of to see because he's really into that visual. And one controversial thing about Lars von Trier, and this is when he was making Manderley, apparently he filmed a a mule being slaughtered and John C. Riley dropped from the movie because of it. He was like, nah, fam. And he left the filming. He was in Manderley and he left because he protested that particular I mean, thing. I get it. If you're, yeah, if you're having a donkey butchered so you can film it for your movie. I don't know if they eat donkeys, honestly. But I know like horses and shit are more of like a consumed livestock sure. than they are over here. And there is there is an argument to be made for... I'm going to go into a place that butchers things already and film them doing something that they're already doing versus mm. I'm going to get someone to kill this animal right now. I yeah, would have yeah. walked off too. Yeah, well, Riley did. Von Trier, he, he's he wants to make you uncomfortable, obviously. That's true, yes. He doesn't want this to be, I don't think he's, he's not moralizing in any way. No. You know, he's not... I don't think there is some heart and message. I, I think he's just using film to like 
I think he once described in an, in an interview that he wants to approach film like like it's a pebble in your shoe kind mm. of thing. And that scene from Manderley, he didn't even use it. Well, that's even worse. Maybe after the Riley shit, he was like, you know, maybe I just shouldn't have. I don't know how he felt about it. I mean, well, I mean, you think about it, depending on who else said whatever to him. I mean, that's something that he's would be asked about always from mm. everyone. Did he want that to be the thing? Well, but then that's maybe also just selfish. It just seems like the image. Or it is the imagery of horses, like. We see a donkey like slowly standing up in this movie. Yeah. And then we see elements of drowned horses and donkeys mm. as we go through. Like you said, in this setting, it's almost like some different version of a post-war Europe. You know, you yeah. think maybe it's like post-World War II, but it almost feels like some unspoken war that is almost like they don't mention like Western Europe or they don't really go into like Eastern Europe. It's like it's trying to present this well, you know, well, they, the cities of reference are Central Europe, but it's almost like Europe has been homogenized into this dystopian night, nightmare. Yeah, I was going to say it's familiar but horrifying. Yeah, like somehow it's all this mass thing now that's yeah. just derelict and, and disturbed. You know, there's these, there's like a cult of people who throw themselves off of yeah. high towers by one foot, and it's like this... Apparently, that act, people actually did that for the film of this, like jumped off that tower with the thing bound. There are tribes in Africa that have done that for... Is it like a rite of passage thing? I think it's just like early bungee jumping, but like, yeah, someone actually jumped off that tower. I mean, that's insane. What is the name of our uh, lead here? Fisher. Fisher. As played by Michael Elphick. Fisher is an expatriate in Cairo. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to a hypnotist in Cairo who, and the movie is basically, he's he's forgotten his last case, right? And so this hypnotist is basically, he's telling the story under hypnosis to bring out his memories. You seem to return to Cairo and me whenever you have a problem. Two months ago, you left Cairo, your wife, everything for a police job in Europe. Now you are back haunted by headaches. If you want me to help you get rid of these headaches, we must go back two months in the time. Back to where it all started. All I know, Europe has become an obsession to you. And he says to him at the beginning, if ever you're uncomfortable, if ever you want to stop, just tell me to stop. Mm-hmm. And that comes back around at the end. Because at one point he does want to stop and the doctor's like, uh, what happened? And there's a, uh, what do they call this serial killer? He is... The Lotto Murderer. The Lotto Murderer because these young children, girls specifically, are selling lotto tickets. There's just children everywhere Mm. seemingly without parents and some one little girl we meet has grandparents but like everyone's just around and there's just people sleeping everywhere like no one seems to actually have like a home these kids are scraping by and they're being murdered they have been one little girl who talks about her sister was found murdered 
she talks about how none of the kids are supposed to go anywhere alone. Like, they go in twos and threes. But for some reason, her sister had agreed to go meet this guy because he was supposed to buy a lot of tickets from her. Mm-hmm. So she goes and meets him, and she she winds up murdered. And so this is another instance of Lars von Trier, the bassist, most terrible crimes in his movies that yeah. you can do. And this is one of those. It's like, what's the most horrible thing you can do? Kill children? His police chief, uh, Kramer, is played by... Gerald Wells is almost like this stand. He's insane. He's essentially like a, a fascistic stand-in. He's just kind of a maniac. There's one point where a kid is just kind of walking away when they're investigating. He's got no evidence of anybody doing anything. Mm-hmm. And Kramer just starts shooting at the kid. It's the little girl I was just talking about. Like, her sister just yeah. got found murdered. Yeah, all she did was just show up and he just starts shooting. Yeah, and she was coming to them to tell them and to also <laughs> ask if she could have her sister's lotto tickets. Like, it's so fucked. And what's his um, teacher's name? Osborne. So he goes, he goes back into town and he goes to visit Osborne. Before he, before Kramer calls him. Mm. And they all three have known each other for a long time because they all used to work in the police force together. We don't know why Dude left originally, but he's been gone. Uh, Osborne has written a book called The Element of Crime. Yes. Which is a, a, a detective, it's a book about the technique of embodying the mind of the killers, the suspects that you are change, yes. ch- chasing. It's specifically... The lotto murder, the killer here. Yes. So Fisher has to basically Im- fully immerse himself into this book. And when I saw that, I knew, I knew at least in the sense that I thought maybe it would reveal that, no, it would kind of turn out almost like a legacy. Yeah. But I thought it would end up being like Fisher himself. Yeah. Oh, And yeah. I'm only like partially right. I'm kind of right. Partially right. I mean... He's part of it. So this whole movie, he's just, he's using the methods from the element of crime. And he meets this uh, lady. Her name is Kim. It's played by Mimi Lai. Yeah, and and I guess he's been gone from this place for a while and has come back for this case. Because when he left, Osborne was fine. But now he's like... Hasn't he been going back and forth to Cairo for a long time? I think he was in Cairo for years because he was married. He has a wife in the story. But he left her. Yeah. Is presumably never going back. She couldn't leave Cairo with him. So he talks about... Didn't he say that Cairo burned? The sand, everything. The sand. Wind blew sand over everything. Yeah, so like. This movie's got, it, <laughs> this movie's got a warped sense of humor. It's kind yeah. of absurd. It's you, raining a lot. It's a little surrealist, but I think it's more absurd than surreal. I do too. And you can't expect to explain every little thing. There is just kind of like this bizarre sense of humor throughout the whole thing. I love the part where, I mean, he, he fucks Kim, yeah. right? And then he is trying to embody this murderer. So he starts saying, I am Harry Gray. Call me Harry. Yeah, they figure out his name through like a, a police traffic report or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he found some old letters of Osborne's that Osborne had told him were missing. But he found them. And so he starts following the trail of Harry. And so he even wears this hat that says HG on it, which was hilarious, actually. Like, I was like, that's insane that you would need that as part of this character like that's where the funny stuff to me was he basically is leaving and she's like i can i come with you and he says cool but you have to play this game with me 
Mm-hmm. So Harry was meeting a girl. So you be the girl. Yeah. And the trains, at th- this was three years ago when Harry was coming through here. And so he basically is get on this dead bus and pretend like you're arriving on this bus. Because the bus would have been running mm-hmm. back then. So whatever's happened has happened within that three years. So he goes into a hotel and he notices that, you know, he's fully this Harry guy. And he notices that. Like a week or two prior, another Harry with different handwriting had signed into this hotel. Yeah. And so, but then he goes back later to another place where this Harry guy supposedly stayed. And he's starting to kind of figure things out without saying it. And he asks again if there have been any Harrys. And you think he's talking about a few weeks. It's like two months since Harry's been there. And he's like, oh, no, not that one three years ago. And so then it's this thing of... Well, who was this two months ago, Harry, if Harry did all this shit three years ago? But they don't spell it out as specifically until you're almost at the end. Mm -hmm. Because by that point, you should be getting it. Or you're starting to get it if you haven't already. And this movie is just full of, like, strange visuals, dark imagery, absurd moments. People will say something and then contradict them the exact same thing they said Mm -hmm. in the same sentence or in the same dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is just so contradictory but we discover that harry was the original killer harry gray three years ago and then osborne was investigating him and he embodied harry gray using the element of crime and then became carried forth the murders yeah harry was killed and there's even a photo of a car exploding and osborne standing in front of it but it's like osborne didn't believe harry was dead Mm -hmm. even though he theoretically saw him die so Fisher, Fisher knows by the point that he's using the little girl as bait, but he ends up being the one that kills the little girl. Yeah, that part, it so fucked me up because even at that point, I really, I wasn't trying to figure it out because I just wanted to go on the ride, right? And so I didn't figure it out until we were literally in the room. And so he was using this little girl as bait. There were supposed to be a lot of policemen. But he didn't want Kramer involved because Kramer's loud and will shoot at people. So he's like, just me and you, kid. And then he does, oh, he drops, there's this trinket that's always found at the murders. He drops the trinket that he's been carrying in his pocket. And the girl's like, oh, fuck, it's you. Yeah, yeah. And then he's trying to keep her quiet. And in trying to keep her quiet, he kills her. And then you realize, you don't see that except that her legs are kicking and then they stop. It's very... Oh, and the Kim lady who he hooks up with... He had, she had a child with Harry Gray. He eventually is like, you know and, Harry, and who I, is Harry? And that kid lives with, lived with Osborne. Yeah, he said his wife left her child there. Yeah. But the woman, he was with her for like a week. It's just like a complete, I mean, I like a, I like a noir. This is definitely plays off of those elements, but it's, yeah. but it's definitely just warped as fuck. It feels more than just circumstantial because he says at one point, of course I met you. Because I went to the place that Harry went to. I was following in his footsteps, so I met the same woman. And Osborne met you, too. Maybe. Right? But she was also looking for him, it seemed like. Like, she wanted to play this game. She was pretending to be herself when she was in that bus. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, the most fucked up part of it. She's left her kid... All I can assume is that she knew this guy was coming and going to try to also solve this case. So she left her fucking kid and went and waited for this guy to find her. Because at the end, she's got her kid back. And 
one of the most terrible details, and I'm we're glad that they did not show this, but I think it's very telling that they included it, is that all of these kids, the reason they knew it was the same person, and I think this is what they didn't tell the new like say in the newspaper, was that after the children were killed, they were cut up with a broken glass. Right. And when he is there after it's been after he's killed this little girl, he's holding a broken bottle. So it's like at that point, once he did it, did he think, oh shit, I just killed her and now I have to make it look like it was Harry, even though he knows it was him. And there's no real resolution. No, no, which I almost did not, I did not expect that. No. Like, like, I knew Fisher would be a part of the murders, and I knew there wouldn't be any true, like, heartfelt resolution. I haven't seen most Lars von Trier movies yet, mm-hmm. but um, but by the end of the year, we will have gone through most of them. I think only lacking maybe, um, there's a, a kingdom drama series that he made in his home country in Denmark. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we won't get to that. But I'm kind of curious about his uh, film series he made in Denmark. But yeah. I think there's a um, a documentary or two we're not going to be able to get to. But most of his movies. And this is his first film. And, I, you know, for your first movie, like the way everything is arranged, the shots, the way he's moving the camera, everything feels so particular that it actually is very impressive. It is. Like how it all comes together. How specific it all feels Mm -hmm. this dystopian noir like all the little details and you know of course he probably didn't have that much money to make this right Right. and when he goes into his dogma 95 shit like that's super low budget like style anyway right it is actually kind of impressive how thoughtful like all this really is Mm. so i'd you know for your first movie like pretty impressive honestly (laughs) Absolutely. Even if it is fucking bonkers haywire, you know? Yeah, I I agree about the shots. There is a bit of it in the middle that almost feels like a trudge, but like everything about this environment is a trudge. trudge. And so again, it's that uncomfortableness. It's that we got to get through this. Mm. You know, he's trying, the Fisher's trying to get through it. We have to also try to get through it. And... I don't know. It's really interesting. Some of the, you said, you said like a lot of it's like sepia tone. Yeah. The one thing that is interesting in this movie is that the stark like contrast to that is black and white. Yeah. So they have like black and white film. I just, this was, this visually was so fascinating to me that they, they have this video that plays from time to time and it's of Osborne on a panel talking about his book. And he basically, through the course of the movie, you're getting snippets of this interview. And he says at one point, I think I've I've made something that is dangerous mm. or could be dangerous in the wrong hands. Yeah. Right? And it's almost like this foreboding or foretelling of what actually happens to his self. He becomes so entrenched in his own method that he actually goes crazy and then his like protege, Fisher, does the same fucking thing. Mm. I like how people are watching TV like wrestlers because the camera <laughs> everything like has got to be specifically positioned. <laughs> And like in wrestler bits where they're watching something on a screen, the monitor's got to be checked. So they're kind of like side eyeing. <laughs> so there's a there's a couple of moments like that in here. Yeah. It always makes me laugh. But yes, the element of crime, Lars von Trier's yeah. debut feature. We're just getting started. 
part one of his Europe trilogy. And then after that, we'll be moving on to the Golden Hearts trilogy. Okay. That's got Dancer in the Dark. We'll get into some controversies uh, as we approach that one. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, but yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, I'm but, so fascinated. I'm actually going to on purpose not read anything about him because I want to learn. He is looking for a muse, a new girlfriend. I saw like a like a uh, a video he put out. Yeah, I wish I could have rode my way in this car, namely that I am 67 years old. That I have Parkinson, OCD, and in the moment controlled alcoholism. Short said, I bored with a little help. Have et par hederlige film i mig endnu. Alt det her er som antydet ment som en gammeldags kontaktannonce. Hvor jeg uden at vide det mindste om sociale medier, søger en kvindelig kæreste, skråstrej mose. Og på trods af alt klønk, vil jeg til hver en tid påstå, at jeg på en god dag i det rette selskab, endnu vil kunne udgøre en ganske munter partner. He did quit drinking for a minute, but discovered that he's more creative when he's drunk. So he started drinking again, and uh, but Great. yeah, he's looking for a girlfriend. If um, if anyone is you know interested, hit him up. I think uh, like literally, I think he just gave out his email. Like, you can, are you serious? Look, this this, this dude's different. Wow. Good or bad, different. Creative, yes. But uh, let's rate the element of crime. His film debut. You give it one through five. Yeah. I'll give it one through five combined for best out of ten. What do you give it? I feel like this is going to be very challenging this entire year to rate his movies. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I feel like we've been hitting around the sixes a lot lately. Yeah. But uh, but I, I kind of... If ag- it's real, it's real. I'm going to give it a 3.25. Okay. So I think a lot of movies this month have hit a 6.25. It also helps me. I really like when you then read like what's in that same category so we can be like bump it up or bump it down. You know, like just right then. Because when you read them, it, it really makes you feel like, do I feel like those are in the same realm? Okay, like Borderline, It Lives Again, The Equalizer... <laughs> Rabid. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, anything that's a B and up is a is a recommend if you're interested. Absolutely. In anything that is an S tier is a demand. Yeah, you must watch it. All right, but that is our first. And our, you know, I, I, this one may be hard to find some clips online. I'll do the best <laughs> yeah, I can. Sure. But yeah, check the show notes for links and other places to find us. We're gonna. 12 the, the first of 12 Lars von Trier and um tell me what you think of him a very a divisive director mm-hmm. but i always feel like that he's got something out there that that you sit down and you're like that was actually kind of fucking good absolutely no matter how weird this guy is absolutely. that one was actually quite good like subscribe let us know what you think corrections whatever fun facts i love a fun fact I also love a, a like a side theory. We got a lot of crazy theories coming out mm. of our Christmas selections last for our classic. Really? Uh, with It's a Wonderful Life and oh, stuff. Oh, yes, yes. How, uh, or I love the theory that uh, that Mary is actually the antagonist because she's the one that actually is preventing him from doing anything. I mean, she made that wish. And that was the point a, that they in a, said. In a land, I can I can actually understand that argument because in a in a world where angels are real, wishes could come true, and that wish prevented him from leaving. Just, She's an angel. I think thoughts and prayers for the haters has been 
It's just not us. We haven't figured it out yet. We need to figure out something that is just organic. Yeah. For us. And I think death to all traitors. It's just going to have to do until we figure it out again. So now it's back. Death to all traitors. (laughs) 